So we have this economic situation where a recession was coming. And I think that most reasonable people knew you couldn't stay at this inflation rate and not have incomes keep up and incomes can't keep up. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant back for mm -hmm. another amazing show. That's right. Although I am back a little tanner because we just got back from a team trip to the Bahamas, uh -huh. which has become one of my new favorite places. It, it did beautiful. not suck. No. So beautiful. We were in Nassau and... We were on a cruise, so Royal Caribbean's private island. I don't know. It was a little overrated for me, but I just like the Bahamas itself. Beautiful. The ocean was breathtaking. Yeah. It's the oh water. Yes. That's amazing. And that oh. other voice you're hearing is our great friend, John Gulane, who is on the show with us. We're super excited about that. Yeah. A couple times, times at least. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back, John. Thank you. Yeah, we we couldn't pass up the opportunity to have you talking with uh, all the shenanigans, I'm going to call it, going on with the banks. I thought, man, who better to share some insight than yeah, John For Blaine. those of you who have not listened to the other couple of times that John has been on, shame on you, you should go look him up. But I'll introduce John. He's not only a great friend of ours. We spoke together on the road for like, I don't know, years. eight years, something like that. It was a long time we spoke together on the road and John is really, really smart, especially in the, you know, just in the financial world comes from the quote, real financial world that and all of the, uh, I don't know, we'll call it the dark side today, John, but all of the normal traditional investments. And so he understands that side really, really well, but transitioned many years ago to the light side, to the wonderful <laughs> world of, I guess, hard assets or non-traditional assets like real estate and and other so many fun assets that you can deal with. John is the owner of Mountain West IRA. They do self-directed IRAs. They're the best in the business. We love working with them. We've sent tons and tons of clients over to them and just really enjoy working with them. Best in yeah. the business. We have John here for his brain. He's my go-to for anything that goes nuts in the financial industry. I call John like, what the hell is going on, John? <laughs> and that's the question of the day, isn't it? It is. Yeah, right? No kidding. I'm not sure I, I can shed much light on it, but I'll certainly give my opinion. Well, I, I just remember back in the day, too, that you did, what was it, like an eight or 10-hour continuing education class on self-directed IRAs? I mean, it was... You still do? Yep. Wow. Phenomenal. Once a year, though. They're too hard. Um, Getting too old to do them more than once a year. <laughs> well, I remember attending more than one of those and just feeling like I could only scratch the surface on understanding all of it because there's so many different plans and options and different ways that you can invest in hard assets. And it was awesome. I loved that. Yeah. And I'll just say at the outset of this, that those of you who are wondering, you know, what to do with your assets, especially if your assets are in a traditional retirement account and you're not super happy with your options, you should check out self-direction. It is, it's really the only way to go because you can invest in hard assets and most people are not told that you can do that. 
And that that's literally what John's business is. So I encourage you guys to check that out and they are the best. So you should definitely call, call them in the show notes. We'll have contact information for John, his company. And, and let's dive into the chaotic mess that we find ourselves in, especially with the financial and banking system. We just talked about that a show or two ago, John, but give us your 10,000 foot view. Like what I explained it in the um, simplistic way that I know how to explain things, but what is happening here and how big, deep, wide is this? And should everybody be concerned? Well, let's start there. I started talking about this a little over two years ago. Uh, actually, I believe it was January 21st, 2021. Mm-hmm. When I started talking about it and predicted high on the inflation rate mm-hmm. within a point. And so it's interesting because I was around when Jimmy Carter was president. I was around the last time there was an administration that had this much incompetence and or deliberate attempt to nationalize the country and socialize the country. And I say and or because back then I didn't know what it was and I was 18 and I knew, I just knew that what was happening was all bad. Now when I look at it and I look at the people in charge, which are Joe Biden and Janet Yellen is the treasury secretary and her viewpoints and and how she looks at things and her Keynesian philosophy on economics. And I'm using Keynesian in the kindest sense of the word, because I don't want to upset too many people that have different political viewpoints than me, and the uh, Fed. So you have this situation where it started with the immense spending immediately with the new administration. The $2 trillion spending package that came down right after the new Congress was installed was the beginning of the end. It was very, very clear to see that the people in charge have never looked at history and couldn't care about it and couldn't care about the American people. Their goal is not to care about the American people or empathize with what the American people are going through. Their goal is to be able to spend as much as they can and dependent on the infrastructure, which is the government, as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, when that happens, when you spend that kind of money, the Fed has to be aware of what's about to happen. And our Fed, uh, Jerome Powell, I don't believe took a non, I, I believe that he was too involved with the administration at the beginning and waited too long. And when, when Janet Yellen started saying that inflation was transitional or transit, whatever she said, I mean, I knew that was, it's impossible. You just couldn't have been in economics that long and looked at what was going on with the spending and the treasury department um and yellen have been printing money basically 24 7. well john she said the other day in one of the hearings that she didn't even think that that had anything to do with the inflation she literally out of her mouth said that Unbelievable. That's every it's everything to do with it. That's how you create inflation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, if you have a if you have a recessionary economy and you're trying to get people to spend money, you keep rates at zero, you print money and you spend money so that you can jump start the economy. If you've got an economy that's already been jump started by the previous administration and then start spending unreasonably, you know, so far they've spent they had the true two trillion dollar package. Then they had the 1.4 trillion infrastructure package. Uh, and then there's some other spending that just happened. I don't even remember how much it was. I've just 
kind of shake my head and forget. But you've got the spending, the out-of-control spending. I mean, our interest rate at the current interest rates, our monthly interest payments are over $850 billion a month is what the oh government is spending to pay the interest on the new rates. It's literally unbelievable. And it's it's remarkable to me that there are people who are supposedly educated folks who... The university is filled with educated folks that couldn't even turn a doorknob. Yeah, it's clear that the education that they got was worth about as much as a few sheets of toilet paper. Used toilet paper. <laughs> I think what's happened in our economy is it's not that they're not smart people. It's that the division and and everything becoming so politically motivated and that you must destroy whatever the other party did at all costs to the American people. And I mean that seriously in both parties, by the way, I'm not talking about just who's in power today. It's just all about destruction and ripping apart whatever's been done, no matter how good it worked. Yeah. Yep. Right. So every 48 years, you're starting over again, actually every two years, because every Congress makes one mistake after another. So anyway, you've got this monetary policy, you've got the printing of money, you've got these huge bills. I think somebody predicted that we're going to be at $51 trillion in, de- in, um, in our debt within four years or five years. Don't quote me on that. I, I heard it, it was so massive, I just kind of gasped. But... So you've got these two situations, and then you've got Jerome Powell, who gave money away too freely. It was too loose for too long. The minute this inflation started, he should have been on raising, yeah. right? We had almost zero interest rates for 15 years. Seriously, 15 years since the last time you know this happened in 2008, and it's a long time to be at almost zero. It's almost a generation that doesn't yeah. even know that those are not normal. Yeah. Right. I believe it's 11 months with rates going up every month or every other month for 11 months. So we've gone from zero to, God, I'm going to, I'm going to ruin this too, because I've stopped listening, but I think we're at, our interest rates are now at five, seven, five or five, I don't know, maybe five, two, five, because they just raised 0.2 five the other day. So Jerome Powell, even though behind, is trying to counteract. And if the spending stopped, he could counteract and could stop this inflation. The problem is the spending isn't stopping. There is no gut or motivation from Congress and from the president to stop the spending. And the advice they're getting from Janet Yellen is, you know, I don't know how many people are old enough to remember the movie Animal House. But this is the best analogy I can give, and I've given it to all of my employees. In that movie, Kevin Bacon plays one of the narcissistic, Nazi-like fraternity bad guys. It's when he was like a child. He looks like he's 12 years old. (laughs) And when the Animal House is driving their float down the parade as they've destroyed this whole parade, he's going, stop, everything's okay. Everything's going to be fine as he's getting run over and trampled by everyone. And and that's what Janet Yellen reminds me of. Huh. And it just, although I'm laughing about it, it's seriously difficult. You know, you've got the real estate industry where you can't get funding. You can't get financing. If you do, you can't build fast enough or get income flow fast enough 
to keep up with the costs of the loans. We were just talking before we started about what is it now? They're paying eight, nine percent on that. Yeah, on construction loans. Mortgages, if you're lucky, you can get a six. If you've got if you had superior credit and no blemishes, you might be able to get a fifteen year mortgage at six to six and a quarter. Yeah, and that's that's not an investment loan either. That that's yeah. just a regular loan. Primary loan. That's a primary house. And most people are up in seven to eight because they're doing 30 year and they're bumping the rates up. They're bumping the points up. And it's difficult. It's difficult when your income is shrinking due to the fact that inflationary pressures on food and gas and and fuel for your home is up 30, 40 percent. Right. When they do these inflation figures of seven percent, we all know that they pull out food and gas. We all know that those figures are figures that make them look good. Those aren't real. You know, anybody who's bought a dozen eggs in the last six months knows they aren't real. Yeah. So we have this economic situation where a recession was coming. We all, and I think that most people, most reasonable people knew you couldn't stay at this inflation rate and not have incomes keep up and incomes can't keep up. I'm at a point in my business where my incomes for my employees can't keep up with the massive amount of increase in us doing businesses. And so what's happening is eventually you're going to stagnate. Eventually something's got to happen. Well, it's very interesting the way it happened. Because if anybody remembers back in 2008 when they passed Dodd-Frank and all these laws, laws against the too-big-to-fail banks, great, they secured the too-big-to-fail banks but most Americans, I believe, bank through the regional banking system. Yep. And they get their and contractors and developers, they all get their loans through the regional banking system. They don't get it from the Chases and the Wells Fargo and the Bank you of America. You can't get it from those guys. They don't like the business. You can if you're building a multi-billion dollar skyscraper. Yeah. But for most investors Mm-hmm. And most investment properties, you can't get those loans from those guys. You have to go to regionals. And without that regional system, what you do is you destroy middle America's ability to invest in the future of hard assets. 100%. And I'll talk about the market a little bit, stock market and stuff, because I know some people out there going, yeah, yeah, you're talking about all this bad stuff, but the market really hasn't gone anywhere. Well, okay, you know, let's see. But so here you have this liquidity problem and there is no businessman that I know or talk to. And I talk to a lot of them. We have about 4,000 clients and I would say three quarters are business people. And so I talk to a lot of people and liquidity is a big issue all throughout, Yep. all throughout the system. And I said to myself after talking to these people, and by the way, me too. As a business person, I looked at that same problem, had to make sure I was very secure in our finances for our clientele and, and that we had liquidity. So the greed and scarcity issue that happened was rates went up so fast that the average bank would say, let's invest in these CDs because, you know, these CDs and these government bonds and these treasuries, because the rates are so high so that we can pay good rates out on our money market and so that we can and so that we can keep that money uh, perpetually moving where in the past by the way the regional banks used to perpetually move their money by loaning it out five times can't do that anymore 
And so now they were doing it through treasuries and bonds, which would have been probably okay if the executive and legislative side took one minute to look in the mirror and say, geez, we got to stop spending. But they didn't. They increased and increased and increased. And that's a problem because once people start needing money because their inflation rate's so high that they have to get money out of the bank. Once investors need money out of the bank that they've held there at a 3% or 3.5% money market, when they need that because of a lack of liquidity in their businesses due to inflation, where is it going to come from? Yeah. So a lot of these banks used long-term CDs and treasuries and government bonds. And when things started to go awry and people needed their money out of the bank, they had to sell if they were buying CDs at four or 5% long term and they needed that money back, they had to sell those CDs at tremendous losses or the treasuries or the government bonds at, at tremendous losses. When I say tremendous losses, we're talking at five to 10% loss all the way up to about 20%. So you imagine that in the billions. Yeah. Legitimate business people that weren't looking at the politics and that were looking at their portfolio, when they started to see the layoffs in the tech industry, because you used to hear on the news, yep. oh, it's not, a, it's not a problem. There's not a recession a problem. It's only the tech industry. As soon as that came out of people's mouths, those banks should have gone, all right, wait a minute. If tech companies are laying off 5%, 10%, 15%, uh, I know a couple of them just laid off 19% of their workforces this last week. If that's happening, those companies are going to need liquidity, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing that always happens. I saw it in 2008. 2008 was different than this, completely different. Anybody that says that it was different is right. It was bad lawmaking from a decade or two earlier. And it was the laws that allowed them to separate assets from income. That's not this problem. This problem is a liquidity problem. So the first thing that I about fell off my chair on is when, what was the bank in California that failed? CBB? Yeah. SVB. Uh, SVB. When they failed, there was a lot of information out. They didn't have a board that knew anything about finance. Their entire board, they had one person on their entire board that actually came from the banking and finance industry. What? They had no risk manager. They had no risk manager. They, they had no one watching risk. So they had no risk manager. They had no risk management program. And all of the other board members were politically placed. They were all associated and related to major donors in the Democratic Party. And as a matter of fact, themselves were some of the biggest donors in the Democratic Party. Yep, all true statements. Right? So sometime, some way, businesses have to do business not as what's woke and not what's DEI, but what is financially responsible. I don't know when we're going to get to that, but man, we're not done. <laughs> so, and then of course, your second bank that went had Dodd on the board from Dodd-Frank that did the original laws back in 2008. I mean, if you were going to write a script. Oh my gosh. You could write a movie. This this is a comedy that ain't funny. Come on. I mean, Dodd-Frank choked the life 
out of mortgage brokers, out of small banks, and regulated the snot out of them. So they, so many of them went out of business or got gobbled up by large banks. And here you have the same one of the two same morons who, I mean, they didn't write it, but it was their legislation sitting on the board of a failed bank. Actually, Frank, that was at the bank. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) And it got almost nobody even knows that. That's the tragic thing here is that, you know, there's so much, I don't know how many times I've said this on the show, Heather, but the, the government literally F something up so bad. Yeah. And then they bitch about it as if they didn't create the mess. And then they come in and fix it by breaking it worse than it yeah. was when it was broken the first time. And it just continuously gets worse. Whoever the last president was, it was him that did it. To your point, we spent plenty enough money under Trump. We didn't need to double, triple, and quadruple down on what Trump spent. Right? Yeah, he wasn't innocent either. Yeah. I mean, and Trump, you know, I've said this on here too before, but he's the one who eliminated contract law and said it was okay to not, not pay any of your bills. That wasn't Biden. That was Trump. So there's a whole lot of blame to go around here. Absolutely. So, and here we are with Janet Yellen comes out. This is the same genius that came out and said that inflation was transitory five inflation points ago and in two years. And she comes out and she defends raising FDIC rates or having the Fed raise FDIC rates to pay off all of these billions instead of the 250 max. Problem with it is she then after that statement immediately says, oh, this is done. It's only these two banks. There's no other problems. Mm. This is the person in charge of monetary policy for the entire country. And as a matter of fact, she's so nosy. She likes to be in the monetary party of the of policies of the entire world. She's been in Ukraine. She's been in Germany. She's been, she'd been all over with her fingers and everybody else's monetary policies. And here's what's happening. Now you've got Credit Suisse, who's having a liquidity problem. And you've got First Security, that the bigger banks are coming in and saying, we will keep them alive by putting $30 billion, propping them up with $30 billion. You've got UBS that's trying to buy, I think, Signature. I think they're involved with the deal with Signature. I don't think anybody wants to save SVB. And as of today, Deutsche Bank is now having liquidity problems. So this is not a one-off deal. This is going to continue as long as these rates go up. And I don't know what the Fed does about this. There's not a whole lot they can do, John. I mean, like you said, they waited too long. Now they're the only ones that can do it. They need Treasury Department and a president that will just shut down the spending and the printing. Yep. And they're not getting it. The Fed's getting no help. So here's a guy I actually feel for Jerome Powell. Not that I think he's a great Fed chair. He's certainly not a green Greenspan or a, some of the other people that have gone through this stuff and dealt with it. But he, I really feel for him because he's got no allies. He's got nobody helping 
The only thing people are doing is people like Elizabeth Warren are getting on TV and blaming him that he solely alone is going to cause the demise and the and a recession in America. So they're already going blame him. Don't look yeah. at the people that made the problem. Blame him. It's already starting. At the same time, they're trying to pass a what, what is it a four or a five trillion dollar budget? It's remarkable to me that they can't figure this out at all. Trillion. I not to correct you. But. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a little light, a little light. <laughs> Don't underestimate. So, John, I mean, I think we trillion is unnecessary spending. I'm sure it's a rounding error at this point, isn't it? I mean, right? What's a trillion dollars between friends? No kidding. A trillion dollars. Uh, if you were to spend, how long would it take, and how much would you have to spend to spend a trillion dollars in 114 years? Actually, let's make it better: 64 years. What would you have to spend an hour every hour of the day to spend a trillion dollars? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, hundreds high. of billions. You'd have to spend $2,000 per hour, every hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 64 years. Oh, to goodness. spend a trillion dollars. Yeah, that's Think right. about that. Wow. That's insane. For one, and our deficit's going to be, what'd you say? 51 trillion? I think, well, the prediction was, I don't know if it's, Right now, I think we're, gosh, I'm not even sure. We're at 32, 38. Yep. We're well over 30. And and I remember everybody was banging the drum when we broke 20, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I remember when we were speaking in 2008, and I used to put up the inflation clock screaming about the deficit, and we were at like 12. We would have gone from 5 to 12. I remember that, actually. <laughs> That's the number that sticks with me is 12. So what does this mean for investors? Like, Well, I'm going to give you my best estimate. You have a very unstable market, stock market. You have a bond market where prices are low and, and interest rates are high. Bond market works like a seesaw. So as interest rates go up, bond prices come down. So you've got interesting yield curves happening. By the way, there is no flow to quality. Because now what's happening is people that would have flowed to quality out of the stock market and into the bond market after watching what's happening with the banks are probably scared to go into the bond market. Hmm. You know, because they're afraid inflation is going to continue to go up and their bonds will be worth less. Yeah. Right. Which is what's been happening the last 11 months. So there is no flow to quality. We had a flow to quality back in 2008. We don't have that to fall back on. And I think that's probably what's keeping the stock market relatively stable, but we're starting to see awfully big swings. And I would love to see money start leaving the stock market in droves because guess what? It comes to us. So the stock market becomes a trader's paradise, but for the average investor, they go nowhere. It's scary. It's really yeah. scary. Yeah. You can't watch it. You either have to stay in and not watch it or get out. Hmm. And deal with deal with whatever happens. The problem is if you get out, where do you go with inflation yeah. rates this high? My opinion is you go into hard assets. You look at real estate. Not to say that real estate isn't going to start dropping at some point in time. It already has in many markets. Yep. But rents are stable. Rents, I believe, are going to have to come down a little bit at some point in time because people can't afford rents on current pay structure. So they're staying stable, and if prices are coming down you get to buy a little more real estate. I sound like a broken record because this was me 2008 through 2010. 
I feel like I'm stuck in a time warp. <laughs> that there's no safe place, but if not only if, but what I personally am doing is my place that I want to be is where I can get income instead of worrying about growth right now. Because the growth that you get probably isn't going to match inflation right now. So you have to keep income stable during this period of time. And by the way, this period of time isn't going to end anytime soon. My prediction two years ago is this would be a four to six year process to get through the recession, to get through the stagflation and to, to find new leadership to try and turn things around. Uh, it won't last forever. It never does. But it will last probably for another three to four years. I don't think there's any quick way out. So my best opinions, keep liquid. Make sure you have enough liquid. Money markets aren't so bad right now. So keep stuff in money market. You can get three to 4%. Even though that's not going to beat inflation, it helps you sleep at night. Yeah. You know, helps you sleep at night, stay liquid, spend wisely. All the American style of living, be cautious. I know that we're cutting back on things like trips and remodeling houses and stuff, you know, just, just spend wisely and look at hard assets. I don't believe that the stock market's going anywhere on the upside. And if we do go into a, a deep V recession, which everybody talks about this soft landing. It's like, I love how they tell you every time this stuff happens, uh, you hear the same thing from all the talking heads. Oh, it's going to be a U. It'll be a soft landing, you know, except for the millions of people that are in bankruptcy and can't find a place to live and can't afford. John, they're only, they're only talking about the people in the Beltway. They're only talking about. With the Beltway, there won't even be a recession. Yeah, that's all they're talking about. They're like, what are you talking about? It's a soft landing. Nothing happened. And uh, those people never leave DC. I think. I think they just. I think they just hang out there all the time. They're completely disconnected from the rest of reality. Well, for the rest of America, it ain't going to be such a soft landing. It's already people are starting to feel that deep V. Seriously, and so you've got this deep V recession that's probably going to happen, and it's going to stay down there until policies change. There's no way out until there's change in policy. Do I know what that right policy is? No, it's going to depend when we get down to the bottom. But in the meantime, while we're there, I think the stock market's got some suffering to do. The reason, part of the reason I think it's so stable right now is the amount of money in there. It's so much greater than ever in history. The trillions that are in the stock market, it's, it's just larger. It's basically like an elephant. Hmm. And so therefore, it moves slower. And therefore, those drops or those those bear markets, they it's harder to come by them, but they move they move slowly. You know, it's the frog in the water thing. Yeah, hmm. it's so the frog in the cold water doesn't know the water is getting hot, hot until it boils. I believe that's what we're going to see in the stock market, where it just it doesn't happen overnight like it used hmm. to. It just it does this thing where it goes down five hundred to a thousand points comes back three or 400 or 500 goes down. It'll be like this, just the water warming up and mm. people won't realize that it's happening unless they pay close, pay close attention. What's going to happen with commodities? Because I keep trying to figure out when it is that we're going to be able to build affordable housing again. Cause right now, as you know, John, you like everybody's yeah. complaining about there not being any affordable housing, but you cannot, you literally can't build it. It's impossible to build it. So un until 
the bits and pieces it takes to build structures, to build apartment complexes and homes comes down, we aren't going to be able to do that. To be honest with you, it may never come down. Because when you're talking commodities, it doesn't matter what kind of commodity it is. If you're talking corn, the cost of fertilizer has gone up tenfold. So farmers are being squeezed where even an ear of corn that goes to into ethanol Hmm. has to be raised so high for them to even break even and they're not breaking even and and so you look at corn or you look at any of the cash crops the soybean the thing that are all of our food right those crops are just being blistered by the fertilizer and cost of water right and the cost of diesel for the tractors you know they haven't figured out a way to make an electric diesel that can actually do farming so I think they'll be doing that right after they get the electric airplane up. So this is fascinating <laughs> to me, John. Think, Let's think this through just for a second. I've been trying to figure out like house prices. There are some areas of the country that are overbuilt. People have moved out. People are not moving in. That's normal supply-demand stuff. But in a lot of the country, there's still not enough supply for the demand. That's right. And the prices of the materials have not gone down price of land has not gone down because there's not as much of it. It's continuing to go up, right. which is causing all of the expenses for the people who provide the housing to go up, which means rents right. can't contract uh, or they lose money, not right which now. is pricing people out of the market all as the interest rates rise. Some piece of this has got to give, and I'm trying to figure out what piece it is because well, the cracks are showing. It's the uh, liquidity. As soon as people run out of liquidity to run their businesses, the recession hits. Hmm. We are just waiting for that hammer. And what that means, John, then, is that everything's going to slow and grind to a halt. What happens with pricing at that point? Because there's not you know, only in areas where they're overbuilding. It depends on inflation depends on what happens with inflation. <laughs> so unfortunately, the people that control inflation happen to be the Fed and the Treasury and the executive branch. And of course, the legislative branch and the policies and laws that they pass. So until you have, instead of smart people in government, you have people that have written their name on the front of a paycheck or have been on the farm uh, or have suffered, are old enough to have suffered through a couple of these and understand nothing's going to change. Hmm. So the immediate action for government is, if everybody's suffering and in trouble, what does the government do? They support them, right? And it's happening at an alarming rate because we know what that means. Yeah. If the government is supporting everyone, on everything, all you have left is uh, socialism and communism. Yeah. If nobody is on their own taking responsibility for what's going on, and I know that sounds a little harsh, and it is a little harsh, but I just hear the massive complaints by business people every day. The lack of employees, the lack of being able to get supply, increased labor, the increased cost of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm watching our, we have an 11,000 square foot building and I watch our utility bills, our gas and our electrical uh, go up every month. 
Hmm. I mean, that's real. That's a real thing for people. It's a real thing for businesses that have bricks and mortar. Yep. Every month. You know, not every business is able to be transitory like inflation. You know, some people have to actually have brick yeah. and mortar. They're served the small businesses are serving communities. They have to, they have to be in the community. So, so man, this is, this has been really fascinating, John. Enlightening. And I don't know if it's a good enlightening, but it's, know. you know, I don't know if it's good enlightening too. I mean, I have opinions on it and I don't say that often because you guys know I was very, very, right. I was right yeah. on the money back in 2008. I mean, I called the bottom of the stock market within I 50 points. I remember. Was, you know, when the market was sitting at 10,000, I called the bottom at 64 and it was 64, 50 something. It was easy to call it. This one's a lot harder. And the reason it's a lot harder is the government's interfering too much. Yeah, there's too many levers being pulled in different directions. And it's like they're doing it on the fly. Like nobody, like there was all this speculation surrounding whether or not they were going to raise rates. Well, yeah. they said they were raising rates. Nobody said they weren't going to raise rates, but yet everybody out there all over the talking heads are, they can't raise rates. Because of liquidity problems. No, yeah. no they don't. <laughs> well, yeah. When you look at the problem is banks can't get a hold of money for people after Janet Yellen says, it's okay, we'll pay them back. And we got to get inflation under control because it's literally killing people, literally, by having inflation so high. The Fed is not going to change their policy. They're going to continue to try to get inflation under control. It's not going to stop, especially with a treasury that says, ah, don't worry about it. If your bank goes under, we'll just we'll take care of it. Yeah, exactly. So the simplistic answer is you need to invest in things that produce cash flow because cash is being removed from you through inflation yep. and through the means to end inflation. Both of those things are removing cash yeah. from you right now. And you have to have things that produce cash, businesses, mm -hmm. real estate, things that actually produce cash. Well, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Well, that's usually throughout my life. That's been kind of my answer. When everything falls apart, hard assets and cash flow. Yeah. Find a way to have cash flow. Yep. True. Well, man, we really appreciate your wisdom and having you on. I think, you know, sometimes you just have to have a hard conversation, right? People need to listen to what's going on. And it's not all sunshine and, and lollipops, unfortunately. No, and it's not going to be for a few years. Yeah. You guys are both much younger than me. But at this point in time, where I would have, where I would have uh, liked to start thinking about maybe I can slow down in life, it's like, my work is harder than ever. I'm working more hours and, and dealing with more stuff than ever. Yeah. Mm. I think a lot of people are in that and we're probably going to be in that for, I mean, John's saying four years, three to four years. I think, yeah. I think it's pretty accurate. I see no end this year. I don't think, I don't think real estate's going to correct. Worst shit to come. Yeah. And yeah. I the worst shit. We are just getting started. We're at the top as bad as this is. We're not at the bottom. Yeah. No kidding. Well, we really appreciate it, John. If you guys want to get a hold of John and his company, we will put the contact information in the show notes. You should reach out. They are a wealth of information about how you can, you know, invest in hard assets, get your money working for you instead of watching it completely fall apart in front of your face. 
I would add too that one thing I love about your company, John, is that you're a small enough business that you can call and talk to a person. I always, love, love, always, love that about you. Been our trademark. And their website is mwira.com for those that are listening and don't have the show notes in front of them. So, yes, um, we appreciate it. And as always, people, maybe now more than ever, <laughs> yeah. uh, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.